Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Hey, just a quick warning. This next story contains some graphic descriptions of sexual abuse. When the Me Too movement was breaking out last year, Miranda Lightsinger, who's an engagement producer at KQED, put out a call asking Bay Area residents for their stories. And there was this one response that stuck out to her. It was a woman who said that her yoga mentor in her teacher training program had groped her. Miranda has spent nine months investigating allegations of sex abuse at yoga studios. I've been a yoga practitioner myself for 15 years, and I'd always thought of it as really safe and sacred space. And this, for the first time, made me think, are there unsafe spaces in yoga? Today, we hear about Bay Area women who've come forward to share their Me Too stories that expose gaps in protections and accountability in the yoga practice. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. We heard from a teenager who said that her teacher groomed her to have sex with him. Miranda Leitzinger is a reporter and producer at KQED. We heard from a teacher herself who was in a class and says that the teacher that day had made a lewd comment toward her and then gave her a violating adjustment in a pose, like a hands-on adjustment. How do I tell them that some moments I'm okay and then I'm in tears? She still suffers from those injuries today, nearly a year later. And we heard from another woman. We were practicing a very advanced... uh, Who said that she had been groped by a teacher while she was in a backbend. He stroked his hands over my breasts and over my nipples in a way that could only be described as a caress. She later found out that this teacher had had a number of allegations lodged against him, like about 30 years ago. So those were some of the stories that we heard from from women across the Bay Area. Why don't we start with your story about... We received a response from a woman named Disha Smith. I live in Oakland, and this is my story about what happened to me at Piedmont Yoga. She had uh, recently moved to Oakland from Los Angeles. Though I had always wanted to live here, I did not know anybody. Um, when she I was, was looking here. for a way to build community. I shouldn't say I know, didn't know anybody. I knew maybe two people. And yoga is really a way to do that. You can come, you have an instant group of friends, and it's like a warm space. So she decided that she would take a teacher training program. It was something that had interested her. Initially, things felt great. Um, she signed up in October of 2016. Like it felt like... Um, This is going to be a good use of my time. And she got paired with a mentor who was actually the director of the program. He asked her for one-on-one sessions, and she said that they were sessions where they just seemed to talk a lot, and there was not a lot about yoga. The session started out with us just talking and talking um, about life and stuff that was going on, Um, not really yoga-related necessarily. 
She found it a little puzzling. So she thought, well, maybe I don't really need this. This is not the training. So she stopped those sessions. And then uh, she said that in early January 2017 that he said they should restart these sessions. And that um, as part of it, he thought that she needed to have shiatsu massage. He felt that I needed to feel more into my body and that that would involve him doing um, massage, shiatsu massage. Is shiatsu massage part of yoga? There may be some people who think that there may be types of touch that may be massage-like, but I had never heard of this, and a lot of people that I had spoken to had not heard that either. And you know, it's funny, as I think about it now, I didn't even look it up. That's that's just like how trusting um, I was of the situation, because I normally would like look stuff up. She thought maybe this is just an unusual or extremely uncomfortable part of the procedure. It started over first sessions um, just around her feet and her calves. And as she describes, you know, to the police that it just, you know, moved up her body. I was fully clothed. He was fully clothed. It did um, occur in the studio space in Berkeley um, on like a futon mattress type thing that was on the floor in the living room space. There was a, like a fifth and final session where she says that he was like uh, massaging her buttocks and touching in her groin area. And she, she stopped them. She kind of knew that there was something wrong, but it took her like a little while to kind of figure out what that wrong was. I didn't put it into words until weeks later what, what was happening when I realized that I needed for it to stop that point, she alleges that he retaliates and says that she has, you know, is not doing well in the program and that she might have to retake it. So once I started pulling back um, from doing the weekly and biweekly massage is when he started to retaliate and say that, you know, I wasn't participating and that I needed to take the classes over or maybe even go to a different school because maybe this wasn't a fit. She went and reported to the other teachers. One of the teachers told her that she didn't know that he was doing this. I spoke to that teacher. She said she didn't know that he was doing this. Um, they at one point offered mediation, but Disha decided she had uh, been raped in college and she had gone through a mediation and it was really didn't give her any kind of resolution. And so she just thought, I'm just going to go to the police. Telling a story like this to a police officer is not like the business. It's not it's not a fun thing to do. She filed a police report. The police did forward the case to the DA, but the DA declined to prosecute. Where does where does that leave Disha? What's she what's she doing now and how has she responded to this? It's been it's been really hard because she questioned herself. As I was processing what was going on, I experienced um, panic attacks for the first time and realized that what I was experiencing was anxiety. She said that she felt like she was living in a in a fog in a cloud that she didn't, you know, and she was kind of angry that she lost this time. I would have never thought that I would have gone through this entire time and not had a paper to say that I was certified. She made this community there, and she felt like she lost the community because she was accusing this teacher. You know, to this day, she doesn't have her certificate. Her mentor says now that she did complete all the hours. Um, they both agree that she has an outstanding payment, and she says, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to make that payment because I would be paying to be abused. Can you talk about what, what Disha's mentor teacher said in response? 
He, you know, denied inappropriate touching. He said that the shiatsu was not a required part of the program. He also said that he was no longer the director of the program and he would be transferring the business. I know you spoke with some yoga teachers. What are they saying in their defense? Uh, It's been a range. When we spoke to the teacher who was accused of grooming a teenager to have sex with him, he denied having sex with her. Um, He said he didn't socialize with students. He said he talked about how hard it had been on him, um, that her mother had, once she found out what had happened, had gone to studios to try to get him fired, and one of the studios did uh, let him go. He said that this had been a hard experience on him. What did the police report actually say? The police report said they did have a sexual relationship, however brief. And just to be clear, all of the teachers who are accused are men. They're all men. How long were you investigating this story? Um, All of the stories was nine months. Nine months? Yeah, almost nine months, yeah. In that nine-month period, what did you find? How many women came forward, or men, and then how many yoga teachers were accused? Uh, Seven women came forward and accusing five different teachers. Um, We had two women accusing the the same teacher in two cases. Were there any similarities between the the women's stories of either where these accusations took place or what what was happening at the time or, or anything? The similarities were that they all had kind of put trust in the teacher, even when it sort of didn't feel right or it was going outside of the bounds. There were differences in that they happened in different places, but they all had submitted to the teacher as you kind of do as a student in that student-teacher dynamic. Literally two of the women told me the same thing, that they were going into their cave and they didn't know each other, but they used the same term, that they just had to shut down everything. Is there anything specific about yoga that makes it particularly vulnerable to, to situations like this? I think what can make people vulnerable in yoga is the fact that you have this implied consent, that you walk in and you're giving trust to the teacher and you're allowing them to touch you, to make hands-on adjustments. It just opens a space there that you don't find in everyday life. How is yoga regulated and where does it fall with, with certifications or you know, even ethics? Um, who holds the, the responsibility for that? So there is no licensing nationwide for yoga teachers. If you think about a doctor or if you think about a lawyer, they have, you know, bar association, medical board, this kind of thing. But here in yoga, it does not exist. There's no licensing, and there's very limited regulation of the teacher training programs. Now, these programs have grown enormously. Because yoga is huge It's now. huge. For almost 40 million people, 36 million people practicing yoga in 2016. So what does that leave? It leaves a criminal justice system where the DA has to try to convince 12 jurors to convict, or you have these yoga associations who deal with sexual misconduct, and Yoga Alliance in the last year has really stepped up what they're doing. But at the same time, the credentials, because it's all voluntary, you don't have to have a certificate. You don't have to have a credential to teach yoga. What do you hope comes from this story? What kinds of changes do you expect? What I hope is that it helps join a conversation that is happening in the yoga community right now. 
So you have seen changes at the top, as I said, with these associations who are beefing up their policies and procedures to deal with sexual misconduct. But you also have um, this growing, swelling grassroots movement. So you have in the studios these tokens or consent cards that say, hey, I don't want a hands-on adjustment. And it's really giving more authority and empowering the student, which is really what yoga is about. Miranda Leitzinger is an engagement producer for KQED. Miranda spent nine months investigating this story, gathering responses from women and talking to yoga organizations about their policies. You can read the full story at kqed.org, or you can find the link in our episode notes. So this show relies on talking to the best journalists with the most important Bay Area stories and perspectives. Part of my routine every day is checking the California Sun newsletter for what stories people are going to be talking about. The California Sun curates stories from more than 80 news and social media sites from around the state. And they do this so that I don't have to. And I love it. Sign up at californiasun.co and you'll get the most important stories sent right to your inbox five days a week. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.